Good afternoon, friends and family. Welcome back to the Quick Change Show. This is your host, Shirley Gore. I am so excited to have you all back. I hope you all are doing great. I hope you all are staying in. And if you're not staying in, I hope you are wearing your masks. Please be sure to stay safe out there. Um, On this episode of the Quick Change Show, there will probably never be the appropriate amount of words that could properly properly edify my next guest. He is a father. He is a preacher. He is a brother. He is a husband. He is a scholar. He is, oh God, the, the list goes on. And he's a chef. He's a grandfather. He's an uncle. Um, but definitely... The, the hat that he wears the best is the hat of my dad, Dr. Harold Barnes. Dr. Barnes, how are you today? I'm doing just fine. How are you today? I'm good, Daddy. I can't complain. What you, <laughs> what you, what you, what you, what you cook? Did you cook anything today? Uh, no, not today. Uh, it's too early in the day, first of all, and, uh, We'll probably do something uh, in a few hours. Uh, I'm sitting here uh, between a Chinese cookbook and, a, and an all-chicken cookbook and a fish cookbook. So we'll figure it out before nighttime. Before nighttime. We're all looking forward to your cookbook. Um, and when that comes out, we would love for the Quick Change podcast to be the first place for you to be interviewed. So we'll be standing by for that. Dr. Barnes, this is the Quick Change Show, and here we talk about uh, quick changes, whether it be the most dramatic quick change, the most influential quick change, the most exciting quick change. And so I would just uh, would like for you to share with our listeners, what was the most influential quick change that has taken place in your life? I think the realization uh, that God loves me uh, mm. unconditionally and that I did not have to be sitting on a church pew for him to love me. I did not have to be perfect to receive his love, nor did I have to be the greatest person in the world to receive his love. All I needed to do is to have breath in my body. And when he said all souls belong to God, and that included me. Yes, sir. Which meant that even though I, from an aspirational point of view, uh, wanted to seek to be the best person that I could be, but I did not have to be that person before I received God's love. All souls belong to God. Um, that in and of itself, um, Dr. Barnes, is a lesson that I learned from you. And that was probably one of the biggest lessons. And when I go and do other speaking um, engagement, that is the tagline that I quote from you. And so in saying that all souls belong to God and what's happening, not just in the world, but what's happening today uh, with the birthday of Ahmad Aubrey happening and, and what happened to this young man, uh, what... What do you say to a world that is furious right now, but you're hitting them with all souls belong to God? How do you get a person from fury to all souls belong to God? Well, first of all, uh, what we can say about that is 
But if we could individually um, change the way people think about us, then we would have done it by now. That is not not to say that you should not be in the pursuit of creating justice and peace for Mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. But it is not anger that we need at this point. It it is understanding and it is prayer and it is the coalescing with people who don't look like you and don't speak like you. Mm -hmm. And in our own lives, we have to remember that even uh, we speak ill of each other in a way that is less than dignity affirming. Yes, sir. And then when someone else does it, then, uh, you know, we get really, really upset. But first, we have to love each other for life rather than to death. Yes, sir. What do you, but when you don't, when you feel like, how do you turn the other cheek when both cheeks are bruised? Well, uh, I, we all have been in a place where we, when we, uh, the situation called for idling the motor when we felt like stripping the gears. Right. I mean, we've all been there. Right. And, and because we're human, that is our first uh, reaction when we hear negative things. I mean, I was a civil rights attorney for 20 years, and I approached many uh, challenging things. Uh, people burn cross on my lawn and uh, you know, call you all kind of names when you're trying to stand up for the rights of other people. Uh, but when you are an evolved human, you get mad initially because you're human. Right. But once that short period of time passed, and the question becomes, what can we do about it? And the first thing that we can do about it is to become a better person ourselves mm. and, again, to open that communication with people who don't look like you. Mm-hmm. And to explain to people without anger. See, you don't teach people anything uh, with anger. And anger only teaches you what you lack yet Mm. in becoming that love that God intended you to be. Once you can be angry, but at the same time, you don't take that anger to a point where you try to destroy other people. So I can simply say that we can, at this point, do inner, inner reflections to pray and well as asking yourself what can i do to mm-hmm. make this a better country to make humanity a better place to live and you can make changes but if all we're going to do is every time one of these situations happen that we get angry and we start to sing slogans about a black man can't run again or a black man can't do this or he can't do that well, that's not the case everywhere. Right. This still is the greatest country on the face of the earth. Right. We still have more in terms of, of value, in terms of, of having our homes and places to stay and, and being able to do the things we want to do, go to elite colleges and universities. So we can't define our country by a negative situation, but right. we can become angry about that situation, but then ask yourself, what can I do to make this world and to make myself better? So for the people that cannot quiet the voices in their head long enough to hear the answer, but they're listening to you right now, what would you suggest could be maybe two to three steps that they could do? And I know that you have a book coming out, Quantum, 
leadership, you have a program and you have an also another book coming out, Prayers of St. Francis. And so from those two books, what could be two or three things that you could tell someone that cannot quiet the voices in their head when they're asking that question, what can I do to make this world or myself a better place? I think first, uh, let me uh, speak from uh, uh, St. Francis and Me, which is the book that I've got coming out uh, this month. Uh, and it talks about uh, St. Francis of Assisi and the prayer of St. Francis. And uh, one of those segments uh, in that prayer uh, says uh, the following, uh, Lord, help me to become an instrument of thy peace. Mm-hmm. An instrument means that you are a conduit mm-hmm. through which peace is delivered mm-hmm. uh, to others. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you have to ask yourself, how can I bring peace? Mm-hmm. And what can I do to make things better mm-hmm. in terms of personal processing? Asking yourself the question in my book, there's a section in there that allows you to process things and you can write things down. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it is so difficult to pursue peace? with people who don't look like you or who haven't had your life's experience. Mm -hmm. The reason that we have these situations is because the other people do not value the life of an African-American. That that person is just like a piece of property or he's less valued than a dog because when people have dogs, they go to great lengths to take them to the doctor to make sure they get their their shots on time. And they say, you can't own a dog. Adults are just part of your family. That's okay for those who believe that. But at the same time, they don't value the life of other human beings. Right. And so what we need to do is to learn. Uh, what I, let me tell you what I used to do. Yes, sir. I used to go to, go to court uh, with lawyers from all over the country. And many of them had degrees and things from Harvard and Yale and other, pla- other places. And I asked myself, how can I win over these people? Mm. And then I came to the understanding that you just have to hit the books and be better. When you stand up, you're not talking about justice, but you become justice. Mm. When you challenge a wrongdoing, then you become truth. Yes. And that's the only way you win yes, sir. is by doing those kind of things. And when I went up against uh, the regents of the University of California, I mean, that's why we were able to win is because we became the thing that we were seeking. Yes, sir. And that was justice. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with relationships between different groups of people. You have to ask God, help me mm-hmm. to become an instrument of your peace. Yes. Meaning a conduit yes, which sir. you deliver peace to those in which you come in contact with. Yes, sir. And when you have that anointing of peace yes, sir. about you, then it, it, it follows you. It becomes a part of your, your persona, your aura. Yes, and when you come into a group of people, whether they're rednecks, bluenecks, greennecks, or whatever, <laughs> they understand that there's something different yes. about you. Yes, sir. And they, and, and they look at you as if to say, you know, uh, who is this person? Mm-hmm. He looks different. Yes. But when we walk around with the whole idea that, you know, well, if anybody touched me, I'm going to do this to them, I'm going to do that to them. Yes. What I say to you, be more like God. Become an instrument of His peace. You don't have to have a PhD to be an instrument of peace. You don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to be able to read beyond a fifth grade level. You can just simply be kind mm-hmm. 
because they are human and God said that they are children of God. They are his children. The man who shot this young man, he is a child of God, mm -hmm. a wayward child of God, mm -hmm. but he, all of us are expressions mm -hmm. of God. Mm -hmm. We are expressions of God. And there are some of us who have gone far away from his peace and mm -hmm. his love, mm -hmm. and it's our job as humans to try to bring them back. And mm -hmm. I know that sounds a bit cliche when you think about you know, you just want to go out and do something. Mm -hmm. But trust me, when you get it all done, you look at what happened in St. Louis, you mm -hmm. look at what happened in other places around the country, in New York, when they killed this man uh, selling the cigarettes. You know, what happened, uh, you know, six months later? Things go back to the way they were before because we were not instruments of God's peace in terms of breaking down those barriers and continue to break those barriers. Yes, sir. I, um, first of all, thank you for that sermon. Um, I hope y'all plan on leaving an offering at the end. I'll leave his cash app and his Venmo. Um, Mr. Bars, that is a thing, right? And even, um, I have conversations with Nicholas, you know, cause sometimes there's times and not just Nicholas, but different, um, different people in the community where they may say, I'm so upset and I'm so upset and I'm so upset. And I say, well, I'm, and some, and sometimes it makes them upset that I'm not upset. Right. And I'm like, but I, when I go into the community and I feed or I talk to, or I supply resources and things of that nature, that is me planting a seed. That is me saying, no matter what happens in the world, I know that I've done my part. So when something happens in the world, I'm not so shaken and stirred, right? And so I guess that goes to you saying, Lord, make me a conduit, make me an instrument of your peace. So if I know that I'm going out into the world every day and I'm, make first of all, getting up in the morning and saying, surely be peace. God, please allow me to be peace. Please allow me to take joy and, and abundance everywhere I go. And then doing that, when something happens, I feel like I have been a part of the, the solution and not the problem. You are absolutely right. Because people don't have love, I mean, unconditional love, it creates a God-shaped hole in their consciousness. And when that hole exists, then we are likely to do anything. Right. And sometimes we're looking for an opportunity to be offended. Because we go back into our neighborhoods and we go back into uh, places in Chicago and other places around the country and we kill each other as if it's open season. Mm -hmm. And we're willing to march uh, all around the town when somebody of an opposite color does the same thing. Right. If we want to do, want things to happen uh, in our communities that will bring us together, then we have to stop loving each other to life uh, rather than to death. And, and, and that's the key to everything. Or we can look for opportunities to be offended, and we become offended. And love is energy. Yes. We think that love is just something we say, Come but on. it is an energy. Yes. Uh, I think uh, I think it was Pierre Teilhard de Chardin who said, uh, one day when we have conquered the wind and the waves and gravity, we shall harness for God the energies of love. And then for the second time since the creation, 
man will have will have discovered fire. Mm. And what we need to do is to rediscover that fire of love. Yes. And then when we do that, we will show it in everything that we do. Yes. And we can change the world. Remember, um, it's, it is the smooth things that can create the, the greatest change. The Grand Canyon was carved out with water. Yes, sir. Water is one of the smoothest things that you can have. But over time, when you use it, it will cause our canyon. It will also cause out love in the hearts of people, yes. in your community, and other things. I was in the community not long ago, for instance, and uh, I was asking a Christian lady about uh, what was going on in our community, and she said, well, you know, we'd like to get the people together so we can go to the school board and make sure our kids have more resources during the summertime and things of that nature. He said, but we, but, but we have Muslims who live in our community, and so it's hard to get people together. I said, well, have you talked to them? Oh, no, they don't believe in God. You see, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. The, right. the realization that all souls belong to God. Yes. Uh, religion is for man. Yes. God wasn't a Baptist or a Methodist or Come a on. Yep. Uh, so religion is for man. It is not, you know, uh, uh, always an expression of God. And so when we hate people from other religions, then we're hating a child of God. Yes. Why? Because being a child of God has nothing to do with religion. Because he said all souls belong to him. Mm. And so when we treat each other differently, anything that, that drives us apart from each other, because somehow I've got a revelation that is so different from yours, and right. I know the whole truth, and you don't know the truth. <laughs> You're just deluding yourself. Yes. Your, your, your theology is, is abbreviated, it's truncated, mm-hmm. it's really a subterfuge Come on. for what God truly intended. So it is love, it's the foundation of all human life. Yes. And when we fail it, then we fail our country, uh, we fail the world. <sighs> Drops mic. <laughs> Dr. Barnes, I'm just I'm gonna just keep asking questions because the people want to hear you speak. Um, for the for those of us, or not necessarily those of us, but can you speak to the listener that does not know that may be a white Christian that does not know how to approach a Muslim to have a conversation like that? How does one embark on a conversation? that they are afraid to have what how would how, what's an icebreaker for something like that i think uh the best icebreaker is approaching somebody with hello my brother and my sister that has a way of breaking down barriers you see because what that you have done with just that statement is that you have put them in your family yes. and, and what family is that the human family yes and you're saying to them that your connection to them has nothing to do with their religion, but it has everything to do with their humanity. And so when you say to them, you know, uh, uh, good afternoon, my brother, good afternoon, my sister. Mm. Uh, how are you? My name is so-and-so. Don't lead with your religion as mm. if that's who you are. You mm. are not your religion. Yes. You are a child of God. Right. And so if you lead with your humanity rather than your religion, then you can make your your uh, tenets of your religion in terms of love come alive in the lives of people who are less fortunate than you or who look different than you. Uh, but when we continue to separate ourselves based upon uh, what, what, what we dress in or what day we 
go to church as if somehow that your day is better than someone else's day. Right. And uh, when the, the point is that if you never go, you're still a child of God. And so when you approach it like that with your humanity, as opposed to your um, your racial identity or your religious affiliations, and, and, and just see people the way that God sees them, and you do just fine. Yes, sir. I was... To, to, um, no, it's okay, Daddy, to speak to that. Um, I was in an Uber maybe two months ago, and I was sitting in the front seat, and um, the young, the lady that was driving me, she was Iranian, and uh, I couldn't, you couldn't really tell from what she had in the car what her religion was, and as soon as the young man in the back got out, she started talking, and and so she started asking me things of that, you know, how are you? How long have you been married? And and things of that nature. And I think I mentioned, you know, we only dated for 13 days. But when you have God involved, you kind of know. And her eyes brighten. Oh, you, you're a Christian? You know God? You know Christ? And I just looked at her and I said, yes, I, I do. And she just went, oh, I said, why are you surprised? No, I just, I said, well, do they look a certain way? Do they talk a certain way? No, no, no. You just kind of know, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, well, what do you believe? And I said, I believe that all souls belong to God. And she's like, well, what does that mean? I said, I mean that God is love. And she said, well, when you are talking to people, you know, it kind of doesn't count unless you are asking them if they if they are willing to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I said, but if it is more palatable for me to tell them that God is love and that makes them go home and look it up as opposed to inviting them in a way in which all of their trans, they will be stripped of anything that makes them them. And she just exactly. looked at me, Dad, and she and and spot, two seconds later, she was like, "This is your stop." <laughs> and she immediately went from this Christian that that God is, you know, Jesus Christ, Jesus is this, and could not even ingest me saying, "God is love." Exactly. You see, because as a human, people always want to separate themselves from each other. And they want to know something that you don't know. Right. You don't have to recruit me to be a child of God. Yes. I, I already am. Yes. And you don't have to recruit me to, to believe in certain uh, spiritual or religious tenets because uh, God said that, uh, that that I belong to him to begin with. Right. Anything that you teach me to try to get me to treat my fellow man as best as I can, then that's a good thing. But when we get to the point that we can have 80 different religions and all of them are saying the same thing, if you're not like me, then you're not like God. Then you know that that theology is abbreviated, truncated, and merely a subterfuge for what God intended. God is spirit. You have to start there. He is spirit. And if you are going to be a true follower of his tenets, then you must worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit transcends your own personal misgivings mm-hmm. and your own dislikes and likes. Mm-hmm. Because when you're doing it in the spirit, you love everyone because they are an expression of God. 
This is beautiful. For the for the listeners at home, Dr. Barnes, that are struggling in this moment, is there any type of writing assignment or anything that you could give us um, or any type of healing assignment that you could give us to help us just kind of sift through what it is that we are trying to process as a collective? Yes, I think, uh, first of all, um, if you would just simply recite uh, or think about uh, the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, uh, and I amended uh, that prayer uh, to fit the 21st century situation, Mm -hmm. let me just read that for a second. Yes, sir. It says, Lord, help me to become an instrument of thy peace. For if there is hatred, help me to sow love. Doesn't that speak directly to the situation that we're in now with the the guy getting shot? He said, you know hatred is out there, but what did he tell you to do in response to hatred? Show love. Help me to sow love. Yes, sir. Where there is injury, when you hurt someone or you have been hurt by someone, Help me to pardon that person. Yes. Because there's no need to carry a grudge against them for what they may have done to you. Yes. Where there is doubt, help me to find my faith. You can't have faith without doubt because if you didn't doubt, you wouldn't have faith. But because you doubt, then the good book says, blessed is he who believes without seeing. And that's what that faith is something that you can feel in your spirit and you can almost attract it to you. You don't see it, but you know it's going to be there. Yes, sir. Where there is despair, help me to find hope. And even though hope is not a strategy, it is a destination when you are in trouble and it seems like everything around you is going crazy and you can say, but I believe things are going to be better tomorrow. And you keep pressing forward. Where there is darkness, help me to find the light. And there's darkness in all of our lives. There's some things that have happened to us in our life, but for God, we wouldn't be here today. So we keep pushing, even through that darkness, to find the light. Where there's sadness, help me to find joy. When I seek to be consoled, help me to console other people. In fact, when you feel bad, helping somebody else makes you feel good. And that's the best medicine that you really can take. When I seek to be understood, help me to understand others. How many times have any all of us said, you know, uh, they just don't understand me. But have you taken the time to understand other people? Where they're coming from? You see, some of us want love from people who can't give it because they can't give you what they don't have. Right. If they don't love themselves, then how can they love you? Right. And so we punish them because they are who they are, mm. and, and who they are is all they can be. Mm. So why punish someone for being themselves? When I seek to be loved, help me to love my fellow man. And that's what we're saying again about the person, young man who got shot. For um, well, it is in the giving that we receive, it is in the parting that we are, and it is the dying to self, and that is the hardest thing for all of us to do. It is the dying to self that we are born to eternal life. By self, I mean those carnal knowledges. Some of us are addicted to the upset. We mm. wake up in the morning knowing that we're going to be upset yes. for four or five minutes. Yes. We are addicted to it, and we don't <laughs> feel good until we know 
in, in, the, in the throes of our emotions. Yes. Letting somebody have it. Give yes. us all we have. And then when you finish, you say, Yes. Just full. But that's not what you need to be doing. We are addicted to the upset. Yes. And, and we should not be. And so, if you read that prayer, mm-hmm. I get it uh, at an early age. When you read that prayer and, and, and you just simply recite it and wait for this book to come out. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, St. Francis and me, that's number one, to be out sometime in that part of May. Mm-hmm. And second, I've got coming behind that is the quantum life, which deals with the seven principles and values of quantum the responsible people, mm-hmm. meaning that if you want to take a quantum leap in your life, not just a normal leap, but a quantum leap mm-hmm. in your life, then you have to adhere to various principles in order to get it done. Because the bottom line is that if you were from Vietnam today, they could drop you off on the south side of Chicago or any other place in this country, and within 36 months, uh, that person would have his own place to stay. He'd find a, a way to run a business, and he'd also be have some money in the bank. That's 36 months, and, he, and he's from a whole different world. We've been dropped in this country for 300 years, and many of us are still trying to find the way out and the way up. And all it means is that you have to be accountable to yourself for your own situation and not look to the government to do it for you. Uh, educate yourself and, 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 and become great at what you do and make sure that you acquire all of the knowledge that you need to participate in the current and in the aspirational economy and having in that marketplace ideas to sell that will be of some value to someone so that you can take care of your family, not only in this generation, but in the generations to come. Thank you, Dr. Barnes. Thank you so much.